Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Oh, I'd like to try to start this thing off with a bit of an anecdote for you. I would like to say this, just off the top of this. And I say this because people ask me, like, so I was in Miami. I feel like Miami was a couple weeks ago. But anyway, I was in Miami. And a dude and his girl came up and talked to me. They're like, yo, you don't mind? You know, is it okay for us to talk to you or whatever? And I realized that it is entirely possible that I've given you guys like the wrong picture of how I respond to like people talking to me uh, in public. I will always be nice to you if you come speak to me in public, right? I'm probably going to try to keep it brief. What I'm trying to spare everybody from when we like interact in public is feeling like we got to keep this conversation going because I got news for you. I ain't going to be the one to keep it going. And you probably don't like quite know how to do it. And you know, the reason that you don't don't know quite how to do it. Cause I feel like halfway through the conversation, keeping in mind that my demographic is largely stanking ass dudes that you kind of trying to holler at me. Like that, that's kind of the template that you have to operate with. Uh, except you realize that I don't want you to holler at me. Yeah. So it gets a little weird, but I would tell you the guaranteed way to get a smile on my face that happened to me today. I was uh, leaving the studio and uh, I was actually on the corner right by the uh, right by the subway. And I was on the phone with Shannon. And so I'm just talking to him about a couple of different things. And a dude crosses the street, walks straight to me. I'm like, yo, what's going on here, man? I don't think I owe nobody money. He walked straight to me. He showed me his phone and it's a picture of him listening to the right time. You will get the realest dap in the world. If you like run up on me while you are listening to the podcast, you're going to get the most sincere appreciation in the world out of me. TV stuff, not so much, man. I feel like people just feel like they got to jack you when you on TV because you on TV. They think you somebody because you on TV. But you actually out here like on, on the stuff that I'm like, you know, oh, that's right, Brian. You might get some intricate dap from me. That's right. Intricate dap. Anyway. I didn't have that much to start us off with. I apologize for that. Uh, let us move on to your questions. And yes, you know where I'm going first. No, no, that actually wasn't what I thought that question said. Oh, yeah. High Noon is a dope name. Congrats. Oh, yeah. In case you did not know, I figured this is a good opportunity to let some of you guys know. The TV show that I'm doing with the homie Pablo Torre, you may have noticed that, you know, I haven't been able to tell you very much about the TV show, and I always told you I'd tell you what I could when I could tell you. All right, now I can tell you things. June 4th, me and the homie Pablo doing a television show called High Noon. I like the title a great deal. I see some people have said they think it's corny, and they think, like, you know, what's it going to be like a Western? And I'm like, I mean, maybe. Anyway. We're going to do this. It's going to be fun. Um, I imagine that quite a few of you have questions about, so tell us more about what the show is going to be like. You'll see. You'll see. Now, by the time I come around, you're going to be ready. Here's the thing about it. Keep it real. There's not a single thing that I can tell you right now about what this show is going to be. If you are listening to this podcast, that's going to be the determining factor as to whether or not you watch that show. Right? So it's okay. Wait for a little bit of surprise. I can tell you this, though. The little bit that I know about the show and a little bit that I can tell you. For better or worse, and that will be your determination, right? For better or worse, it will not be like um, any show I recall seeing in sports television. 
Like I'm not, I'm not bragging about that. I'm telling you that honestly, purely as a statement of fact that it's not going to be like anything else. It's not going to be like, oh, man, we're totally changing the game. But no, this is going to be a little bit different than things I think that you have seen previous. And I think that a lot of you will appreciate what some of the differences are. And, I mean, look, like, Pablo's my, that is my man. That is my people. Like, I am close with Pablo. Um, I know I know how these things work, right? So when I started doing Highly Questionable with Dan, there were a lot of people around Dan that are like, yo, that's the guy that you want to work with? I don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it ain't that many people, obviously, but there are people that hit me up with that about that with Pablo. Look, man, this is what you got to understand about me doing this show with Pablo. One of the hardest things in the world when you try to get a television show together is establishing some level of chemistry between the people who are on the show. Like that is that is the elusive thing that people are trying to grasp is that idea of chemistry, right? We got that. Like, not only do we have that, like, we've been had that for years. So I'm going to be working with producers that I've worked with before and already know, like, we ain't got to do all that kind of stuff, right? So I ask you, as someone who, like, consumes this particular product, have a little faith in me and come check this out, right? This is me and my people who is brilliant himself. And we're going to do something. And I think it's going to be fun. You know why it's going to be fun? Because I get to go to work every day and talk about sports with my homie. Tell me that don't sound like fun to you. Like, really? Tell me that does not sound like fun to you. So we're going to do it. So, yeah, June 4th, noon. Show's called High Noon. I believe you will find it to be enjoyable. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate that question. Let me see what else we got here. I'll do this right quick. I just found out that Bobby Caldwell is white. Did you ever have one of those moments? Of course I had one of those moments. You know when I had that moment? When I found out Bobby Caldwell was white. Like, you're not alone on that one, buddy. And, in fact, if you get on Twitter right now and go say, I didn't know Bobby Caldwell was white, you will be retweeted by Bobby Caldwell. I did that once Bobby Caldwell hit me up. I got his phone number. I should get Bobby Caldwell to come on here. Because the thing about Bobby Caldwell being white, I don't think I've ever actually heard Bobby Caldwell talk. So it is possible that Bobby Caldwell has a talking voice just as black as his singing voice, which I think would be the most interesting thing, right? Like if we all of a sudden started interviewing Bobby Caldwell and he's talking like Chris Mullen, that would take this whole thing to another level. So it's like, does he only sing like a black man or is it all the time you come up on Bobby Caldwell? Like you go see call Bobby Caldwell right now. He'd be like, oh man, what's going on with you there, young blood? I mean, that seems like it's possible, right? I would think so. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Was it the sting of losing Chappelle's show that made the Key and Peele show easy to dismiss with Jordan Peele actually being good at this thing? This, I believe, is a fascinating question because I liked Get Out. I thought Get Out was good. I thought that Get Out was largely overrated by the people that keep looking to call something genius. Right. It was very, very, very good. It was a very, I would say, interesting way of looking at race. Of course, it also then is colored by. Like these dudes that are really tired of racism, like really, 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 really tired of racism and fighting against racism. No, that's not the best way for me to put that. 
I was going to go in a completely different place. I feel like Get Out, and granted, there's only like really one white woman in the movie, right? And she is, of course, the most evil person in the movie because she's the one catching the dudes and bringing them in, right? Um, but I remember I saw that scene in Get, in Get Out where she had the computer out and she was Googling the NCAA champion basketball players, like presumably to go and find like the next recruit or whatever for their little plan and get out. And if you're Jordan Peele's wife, how do you feel while you're watching that? Like when you're workshopping this movie, has he talked about that? I I ask because I don't know. Like he's married to Chelsea Peretti. She's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Apparently they got married in uh, 2016, according to the Wikipedia. How do you think she feel? All right, watch that. Somebody said here she's really into those types of jokes. I bet she's really into those types of jokes, and I bet that she's very aware that's still her husband. I was like, ooh, that's funny. I got all kinds of jokes I think are funny when they're not about me. I'm just kind of curious myself. Like, I'd, I'd love to see if there's an interview, like, with him and with her, like, talking about that. Um, I'd be curious. Uh, Chris, yes, I know that his mother is white. Like, we know this. That's why I'm like, huh, tell me more. Tell me more. Anyway, I thought Key and Peele was whack. You're not going to convince me that Key and Peele wasn't whack. And one of my biggest problems with Key and Peele was I felt like Key and Peele discussed black people in the third person. And so for me, it is difficult to reconcile. And I didn't watch a lot of Key and Peele, right? But to reconcile Key and Peele and like the way we talk about Jordan Peele now like in that New Yorker profile of Donald Glover where Jordan Peele was like yo nobody's like really doing like that really deep black shit I'm like what are you talking about like I don't I don't I don't even really what like I don't I don't get that I don't I don't so I don't know did I snooze on Key and Peele maybe like, maybe I'll go back and watch it and I'll find the funny as, like, what it is. But I never, I personally never looked at Key and Peele and Chappelle's show as being, like, competitors. Like, Dave jokes about how they did his show. Um, and, like, okay, I, I get, like, yeah, I get it when people say that. But I'm just saying, like, for me, I personally never was like, man, forget, man, forget Key and Peele. Uh, Key and Peele just a fake Chappelle show. Do not forget what show they put in first to replace Chappelle show do you remember do you remember what the show was that they put in first to replace it that's right mind the Mencia Carlos Mencia like that was offensive like the idea that they thought that mind the Mencia was at all in the same place that holy shit yo did you know that mind the Mencia was on for four seasons yo they gave that four seasons Yo, learn something new every day. Hold on, Lance, do you see me on the screen? I saw what you were saying and I can't tell. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. 
Like, what Jordan Peele got? Have I missed something since Get Out, by the way? Like, with Jordan Peele? Like, you let me know. Okay. Anyway, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How could that speak English lawyer think that his best option was to call the cops? All right, I figure everybody by now know about the speak English lawyer. There was some lawyer in New York, uh, this white dude who was hollering at some people in the restaurant because they were speaking Spanish. And then after that, all these people popped up with their encounters with this dude, like being really belligerent and saying and doing things basically based on a similar like political bent. Um, and then, of course, you know, everybody got to work. They figured out who he was. They found out where he was a lawyer, his law firm, all that stuff. It looked like his partner at his law firm quit working with him. And I say it looked like she could work with him because they used to have a, like the website at the, for the law firm used to have a picture of the two of them. And now it's only a picture of him. Uh, apparently he is no longer welcome at his office. People was raising money to get a mariachi band to come play outside his office. And then I saw a video today, man, this dude was trying to walk the street. Like he had all the scully and it wasn't really warm in New York today, but it wasn't scully weather. And he had on an umbrella and them folks from the New York post was trying to highlight him with the video cameras out. And now all of a sudden he worried about the video camera, right? Man, this dude tried to hide in the umbrella. I am not lying to you. He tried to hide in an umbrella. Like, he tried to duck his face into the umbrella so that no one could get a shot of his face. And while they rolled in this video, he went out like that lady at that barbecue in California and got on the phone while hiding his face in the umbrella trying to call the police, talking about he being assaulted right now. These people obviously are running video to verify the fact that nobody is assaulting him, but he need the police to get there right quick. So he's called the police. Like he looked shook. He looked 100% shook. Like he had been doing this and he had been hollering at people and now he was shook. And what amazes me about this in the place that he's in right now, strategically speaking, the play for him is not to apologize. Apology is not going to do anything for him at this point because he got too much out there. Like, he can't cite this as being a one-day thing. No, 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 no. The play that this dude needed to make was an aggressive play. He needed to make the play of, look, this is how I feel. You know, we're losing the country, bro, and we're going to get this country back by speaking English. And you know why he needed to do that? there's people that rock with that. You can make an argument whether or not people should rock with that. Do that all you want. But the reality is there's people that will rock with that. And if he had come out there with that sort of stance, there would have been people out here standing up for him. They would have been a GoFundMe out here for him. There would have been people out here committing crimes on purpose, hoping to get arrested just so that they could hire him. That's what would have happened if he had gone hard in that moment. Instead, what did he do? He ducked his face into an umbrella and got on the phone like a sucker. And nobody can respect a sucker. Nobody. Not even the people that agree with you. So what are you going to do now? So what are you going to do? Like, whatever he did, he needed to stand. Like, look, they're taking a video of you right now. All right, cool. I got my umbrella. I'm just walking. I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to get out of here. What they going to do? They can't touch you, Right? They can't hit you. They can't do any of those things. All you can do is keep it rolling. Because let me tell you the last thing I need, man. Last thing I need in this world is a lawyer that panic under pressure like this. And I feel like this dude might snitch on me. 
just the way that he maintained his level of composure. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't be my lawyer, but he couldn't do that. And you want to know why he couldn't do that? There's only one reasonable explanation as to why it is that he could not do that. Shame. Shame. Like, as much as apparently this dude had been doing this and this dude had been showing up to, like, rallies and stuff and doing this sort of thing, people put his face on it. People put his face on it. And when they put that face on it, that shame came out. Because what that looked like to me is a man who didn't want to show his face in that moment. That's a man who's shame. That's a man who's being rejected by his profession. Man that's been rejected by the building that he's in. It's shame. It's shame. And on top of that, isn't he one of these, like, say, habla espanol lawyers? Right? Isn't he one of these lawyers that's out here talking about how he speaks Spanish so you can come bring your case to him? Now, I don't have no full-on understanding of um, what kind of law it is that he practices. But I feel like if he's out here with that say, habla espanol, like on the side on the door, that tells me that this man is possibly practicing a sort of law where his clients are the very people most offended by his behavior. Doesn't sound like my man's in mergers and acquisitions. Oh, is it commercial law? Okay. My apologies, Deb. Either way it goes. Now, nah, man, can't nobody be can't nobody be seen with you now. You know how nobody, you know, we know can't nobody be seen with him? Because he can't be seen with him. He can't even do it. I still think he could have rolled this out gangster and he would have been fine ultimately. Like people are saying now they don't know how this is going to affect his business. No, this is going to affect his business. Don't get this twisted. This is definitely going to affect his business. You know how I know it's going to affect his business. He acting like this is going to affect his business. Like he is not carrying himself like this will pass. All publicity is good publicity. He's comporting himself as a man who's like, yo, this is really going to mess up my money. This is really going to mess up my money. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are people in New York who feel the same way that he does. Like, he's not, like, alone. He's not the only person who probably feels this way. There are a lot of people here who do not. A lot. And you got to realize that, like, Trump is a polarizing figure up here in a different way. Like, Trump's a polarizing figure without any of that crazy stuff he's been out here saying. So, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Hold up, back to this. He called the cops. There we go. I forgot to mention the fact that we talked briefly about the fact that he called the cops, but that dude really sat up there and he called the cops. After everything that's been going on in the news, after however many times we tell people, hey, man, y'all really need to stop. Yeah, y'all need to stop calling the cops on this nonsense. People still calling the cops. That woman called the cops in Oakland, and that was wild because she called the police, and then what sounded like a white woman was following her around after that happened, and then with the white woman there, she told the police about how she was being assaulted, even though everybody knows she on video. Like, y'all can't just be out here lying to the police. Like, would that not be what you would think? Like you just can't be out here just lying to the police in that way. One thing about one thing about the police, right? Now you can say what you want about the possibility of circumstance like that arising, and the police get there and they take the word of the person, and it gets a little out of hand, and da da da, and everything else, right? Got you. However, one thing the police do not like is to find out that you don't wasted their time. 
Like, y'all see that thing where that black dude was, like, showing a house with some real estate stuff in Tennessee and the next-door neighbor called the police? Go check the quotes from the police in that article. The police were furious. Furious. They were absolutely furious. Because they don't believe in having their time wasted. Like, it's really simple as that. They don't believe in having their time wasted. And by the way, the person in the chat room saying that Mindy Mencia was on at the same time as Chappelle's show. Yes and no. Mindy Mencia came on in 2005 late. So that was right after Chappelle's show had gone off for the second season. So it was almost like they were just like, cool, we'll roll in Mexican Chappelle's show. And so they rolled that bad boy in there. Then Chappelle's show season three, which is basically the end of Chappelle's show, rolled after that. Anyway, appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Do you think the stereotype that successful black men all want white women will eventually die? My current example is Michael B. Jordan. No stereotype dies. That's not how stereotypes work. It's not like you need an actual factual basis for your stereotype. I don't know. Yo, I imagine some of them do. There you go. Wow, that was a stupid question. But I appreciate it nonetheless. Now, this is interesting. Somebody says here, why are news orgs printing every name in the story except the speak English lawyer? I don't really know what you mean because I feel like everybody knows the dude's name. Was Andrew Schlossinger or something like that? Somebody else asked, how long will old buddy from the video have to hide out before the heat dies down? Two days. Yeah, Aaron Schlossberg. But no, he can hide out for like two days, man. Something else is going to come up. Like, this was not the time to be out here trying to kick it in these streets. He needs, if he could, if he could lay low till Monday, he will be just fine. People will forget who he is and what he looks like just that fast. He just got to get to Monday. Do you ever get nervous when starting a new project despite your success and talent? Congrats on the GQ cover. Thank you for the congrats on the GQ cover. I imagine we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, do I get nervous starting a new project? No. No. Um, I don't really have a great answer for you as to why I don't get nervous um, on great on new projects. It doesn't. So like this one right here, uh, the television show. No, nah, no, nah, I got no nerves about that. I think I'm good at doing television. I think the television show is going to be good. And I think if the television show is not good on the first day, they'll call us back to come on the second. Now, maybe there's a possibility like four months down the line that there might be some numbers that we don't like or whatever it is. And then maybe I'll be nervous about it at that point. But to start, nah, man, nah, I've not. I wasn't the first day I did radio like full time, like five day a week hosting. I wasn't nervous that day. It was interesting. It was my birthday and I I wasn't nervous. But the guy I replaced was somebody I was cool with. And so it was a little awkward because he was gone one day and then I showed up the next and I had his job. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's the thing. Um, but no, I wasn't okay. I was nervous. I think it was the first episode of Bomani and Jones when we did that for SB Nation because we did one on Donald Sterling and it was off the hook. And I was a little nervous that they were gonna like shut us down. But it wasn't nervous about like the project itself. I wasn't nervous about starting the morning Jones. Nah, knew that was gonna happen. I mean, I don't know. 
this isn't the stuff that makes me nervous. And it's, look, man, I failed. I have fallen on my face on some things that were very important to me. Um, I have done very well at jobs and then been fired. Um, what's there to be nervous about? I guys don't, I don't, I don't see anything there to be afraid of. I have failed. I lived. And everything got better after the failures in ways that you may have never expected from the failures themselves. What I got to be worried about. Someone said, what do you get nervous about? I mean, like stuff. That time I got robbed, I was pretty nervous. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was nerve wracking. That was tough. But the GQ cover, would you like to talk about that? Because I would like to talk about that. All right, so here's how it spun. I have been holding on to this for months, wanting to talk about it. So I guess it was like late summer, early fall. Um, Eve Ewing hit me up. And Eve is dope. Like, Eve is all kinds of dope. Eve is a sociologist at the University of Chicago. She also does poetry and all kinds of stuff. I mean, she is great. And she told me that she wanted to do a profile on me um, based on me as like a spokesperson on race. Now, Eve is a much more trained person in these things, in these ways, far more knowledgeable than me on these things. So there's like something kind of daunting about that idea, but I really like it work. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll, uh, I'll give this a run. I'll go ahead and do it. Um, and so we met up. Um, at Amy Roos in Harlem, we had breakfast. I talked to her for a little bit. We did a, like a little bit more on some follow up, you know, fact check type stuff. And she told me there was going to be a photo shoot. And I said, oh, now you tell me GQ going to do a photo shoot. I'm thinking that like it's going to be a GQ photo shoot. Like I got to make sure y'all don't have me out here looking crazy and whatever these clothes is that y'all put up there. Okay. Um, then I found out it wasn't a fashion shoot. It was just a photo shoot. So I was going to provide my own clothes. No biggie. I got a lot of clothes. And so um, they originally like, you know, that Caucasians t-shirt, you know, that thing. As a result, they wanted me to bring like a bunch of cool t-shirts to wear. How many times do you think GQ going to call me to do a shoot? Like dead ass. How many times do you think they're going to call me to do a shoot? It's not going to happen very often. You think that I am going to burn the one chance I got to do a photo shoot for GQ on some t-shirts? Like, do you think I'm going to do that? Hell no. So my homeboy, Nick, his wife, she does like shopping and styling and stuff like that. So I got with her and I'm like, look, let's figure out how we're going to do this. Right. So. She uh she went into the closet. We picked out some things. We went to some stores. We picked out some stuff. We got some looks. We you know we with some looks. You know we set that whole thing up. And so we go then to like the Condé Nast offices, and they are in One World Trade. And so I go down there. I come up the elevator. It was wild, man, because like this is something that I would never imagine. Like it's not like something I dreamed of, but it's still something that I could never imagine. 
that is involved happening with me. So I walk into the studio and it's like these crazy views of the city outside. Like you got the water on one side, just looking uptown from another, you know, from the other. It's like all that stuff, man. And like, it just, like, it looks great. There's music playing and they let you pick, you know, well, what music would you like to listen to while you pose and all this stuff, right? So I'm there. I got all my looks and they're like doing the makeup and stuff. And then, so I got a stylist there with me. A PR lady from ESPN, she's there. Like my agent has showed up. I got Malibu playing on the stereo and all this. And I'm like, when did this happen? Like, how in the world did this happen? You want to know how this happened? This happened because I decided to make my GQ photo shoot a GQ photo shoot. That's how that happened. And so I'm there, but, you know, I don't like taking pictures. And I have never been more nervous in my life. Like, there were two levels of this that I was nervous on. Number one, you go back and you try to remember, like, what is all this stuff that you said in this profile, right? Like, ooh, I don't remember all of that. Like, I never really had the true understanding of the mercy Basically, you put yourself at the mercy of the writer whenever you do something like this. I see why people don't want to do this stuff because it is nerve wracking because you just can't remember everything you said. And I'm typically conscientious in all settings, let alone those about the things that I say. So we got that right. Then I'm like, man, what these photos going to look like, bro. That was where I was like, oh, man, where are these photos going to look like? They got that one where I'm standing on the blocks and I'm like this. I got my hands out to the side. They're like, yeah, give us, give me, you know, photographers, right? They got to like say stuff to you to get you to do this. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that look. I don't know about that one. But it went in. Nobody really seemed to have a problem with it. Um, I thought I thought all that like generally came out decently, but it all happened a while ago. Like I said, with even October, I want to say the photo shoot was like in December, maybe November. Um, you know, somewhere in there. And it's wild because I had a couple of people comment that they thought I looked sad in the pictures. Like they thought in my eyes that I looked like weary um in those pictures. And that's interesting to think about because I don't think they were necessarily wrong. Like that was not a very easy time. 2017 was a bit of a monster for your boy. But I went back and looked at them and some of the stuff that they didn't publish. And I was like, yeah, no, it is like, it's like kind of there. Because like I was sitting there at that time and I'm waiting to get some word about when this TV show was going to start. Like all the complications and things that have come from moving. Like you're not really settled in your new place. Um, and so like now I guess to a degree it's kind of wild to like look at that shot and know kind of where I was um, at that time. Even I was talking to Eve, it was some other madness that's going on that I tell you about many years down the line. Um, and now we're here, right? Like we stand in this place that I'm in right now where this TV show is about to start. Like there's an actual GQ article with a dope ass writer and like a photo shoot that was like involving me. Like, it's all happening now. I moved here in July. And it felt like all the things that I moved here for, none of it was happening. Like none of it was going. And like, you know, it's going to happen, but none of it was actually happening. And that's wild, frustrating, man. That's like, that, that's, that's like, that's not easy. And so it does feel kind of cool now to be at a place where it's happening and these things are going to happen. 
And I, um, I got a text from my boy Cole. His name's Cole Wiley. His dad, Ralph, uh, was a mentor. I mean, my dearest mentor, I would say. And he hit me and he sent me a text and he was like, yo, our dub would be proud. And that, like, legitimately made me, like, choke up. And, like, I really don't give a damn about what none of y'all think. It's no disrespect, but I just don't. And, like, that attitude has allowed me to do a lot of very good things. But at the same time, there are... Like, I can't think of anybody that I seek to please. Like, I'd like to please, but there's no one whom I seek to please. And again, there's a liberation that comes from not, like, seeking to please anybody. But you also never get the satisfaction that comes from pleasing whoever that person happens to be. Like there's a payoff that comes when you've done it. And Ralph died when I was like 23 years old. And so he helped like kickstart where I'm going, where I, you know, what I've done, but didn't like really get to see any of it. And so I really thought, like, with all these things that have happened, how would he feel about those things and about how I have handled my career and the work that I have been able to do? And I don't think, like, it ain't my place to say that man would be proud of me. But the fact that he might, that's dope, man. Like, that that felt good to consider and to think about. Um, like, I remember my man, uh, Combat Jack, God rest his soul, when I really started, like, coming up at ESPN, he said, you got your money and you still doing what you do. And that actually gives me some hope about where all of this might go. And that's wild, man. Like that, 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 um, yeah, no, that's wild. Like that, that's, that's, that's kind of a lot to consider. And if I'm doing something that would have made Ralph Wiley proud, man, that's a win. Like that's a big win. All right, appreciate the question. I think I'll wrap up on this one. Love Sexy Turning 30 last week. Why doesn't it get mentioned when people talk about great Prince albums? The reason that Love Sexy does not get mentioned when people talk about great Prince albums is that even if you think that Love Sexy is a great Prince album, Love Sexy is the... It is either the end of the classic period for year for you or it is the beginning of what could at times be an awkward 10-year run or so, right? So one part of it, obviously, is the fact that Love Sexy was sequenced as one track. That's it. 
It's one track. If you got it on CD, you could not fast forward through the tracks. It was one track. Prince has argued that it was only one track because it is best appreciated in one sitting in that way. Of course, a lot of us probably like believe that, you know, he was just being Prince and just being a jerk about it. However, I do believe that it is best enjoyed in one sitting. Like the way that he talks about it is, yeah, yeah. Like I think that fits. However, here's the other thing though. I think, and I'm going to go through, I'm looking at the discography right now to make sure I got this right. That was the first album since 19, no, excuse me, since a dirty mind that didn't like really have a hit. You know, like dirty mind didn't really have a hit controversy. Let me go through and look at the singles of controversy because controversy at least had the single controversy, which I was pretty sure. Actually, that did not chart well. Okay, so it's the first one is controversy. It's controversy. Like controversy was a hit with black radio, and so was Let's Work. But controversy wasn't like it wasn't a pop hit. After that, 1999 had hits. Purple Rain had hits. Round the world in a day had a hit. Parade had a hit. Sign of the Times had a hit. Love sexy. I mean, I guess you could kind of try to say the Alphabet Street uh, fits the bill of the heat of the hit. Nah, it didn't really have a hit. So yeah, without it really having a hit, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be received in the same way as those previous albums had been. Um, but I think it's good. Like I like it a lot more as I get older. But no, I think that Love Sexy is a really, really, really good record. I appreciate the question. I think I'll try one more. Will George Zimmerman ever go away? No, George Zimmerman won't ever go away. You know why George Zimmerman won't ever go away? Because George Zimmerman is welcome wherever he goes. That's why George Zimmerman won't ever go away. Wherever he goes, he is welcome. And so he shot Trayvon Martin in large part to explain that Trayvon Martin was not welcome in that neighborhood. And even after doing that, everywhere George Zimmerman goes, he is welcome. There are some rights that he has afforded, and he is welcome to go wherever he so pleases. So go away. Why would he ever go away? What reason would he have to ever go away? Dude like George Zimmerman never has to go away. He never does. And since he never has to go away, he never will. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing here once a week or so. My man Lance Gilliam has everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. Hope to talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.